Hello, all you Bay Brother listeners, and welcome to a, a special midweek podcast of Bay Brothers. Hi, I'm Andrew Hall. I'm Jack Deasing, and today is the 30th of October on the eve of Halloween. And thank you for all the AWLs listening to the midweek podcast. To start off today for our opener, we have a World Series review. As, as many of you know, the Red Sox beat the Dodgers on Sunday, winning the series 4-1 to as Steve Pierce was named uh, World Series MVP as he continued his um, excellence as he hit two home runs in Game 5 and also was very clutch in Game 4. Yes, and as we our opening song was My Way by Frank Sinatra, and the line that we caught the most is, Regrets... I've had a few, and this is um, going towards Dave Roberts because of the managerial moves we thought were not made correctly by putting in the wrong bullpen pieces at the wrong time or not taking guys out at the right time, so that is just a shot at Dave Roberts. And some of the managerial mistakes I thought he made especially was bringing uh, Ryan Matson like three consecutive games and every time... He disappointed, and that's the point where you got to bring in your Loch Ness Monster, your best pitcher. Yeah. I would say Kenley Jansen, possibly Baez. Possibly Baez, if you're a little weary about um, Jansen, just kind of, because he hasn't, you know, he he was time off during the regular season, and then he came back and wasn't, like, amazing, but I think you could still trust him. But at that point, Pedro Baez was your best pitcher, so either also, one is good. I, I don't think they should brought in Jansen. Baez definitely was just the person, because Jansen is notoriously bad for being, um, really bad with runners on base as he has a big leg kick, so it's really easy for runners to steal on him. Um, so I definitely think Baez is the right person in that situation. Especially after uh, Game 3 when he let the home up, home run up to JBJ. Then I think in Game 4 he has to be even more, or I mean, he has to be more cautious going in the rest of the season, I mean, go the rest of the series, and knowing that he doesn't look 100%, like he can't pitch more than one inning at that point. In addition... He failed to take out Clayton Kershaw as he went into the seventh inning, allowing four runs. And, you know, I think he probably kept Clayton Kershaw in because he was scrutinized so much for taking out Rich Hill in the seventh as even the president tweeted, you know, why they take out Rich Hill. Um, But those people aren't with the analytics through the third time through the order. Um, As many of you know, the batting average increases about 100 points if uh, batters see a pitcher the third time through, and this is especially evident in Clayton Kershaw's case. And I just think this is bad because, you know, they're not going to criticize Dave Roberts as much for keeping Kershaw. In, I think because they know they don't they don't scrut- the media they don't scrutinize the manager for keeping a starter and allowing a lot of runs. They'll scrutinize the manager for putting in a bullpen piece, and then they just allow the, as many runs. But um, they, yeah, they like could- to keep the starter in, you know. Yeah, if the starter stays in, like you said, they don't get any of the um, the negative attention. Attention. It's all in the pitcher. It's, it's it's the pitcher's fault. But once he takes him out, then it's the manager's fault. So, like you said, I think Dave Roberts, the media got to him a little bit too much, and he didn't stay to his gut and what the numbers say actually. And that could possibly be Clayton Kershaw's last start in a Dodger uniform. Highly unlikely, as he's due about sixty five million, I think, in the next two years, and. With the season he had this year, as he continues to have that uh, throbbing back problem, 
usually I say it's a kind of an annual thing where, you know, right around June, July goes out with the back injury, but then he comes back for the postseason, which yeah. is I feel he, like there's no way he's gonna opt out because like the market doesn't look good for him really going into like this thirty, thirty one season and I mean, with the decreasing uh, fastball velocity, the back injuries, it seems like he needs to like retire as a Dodger. It just seems like that kind of way. Uh, I I think he'll stay with the Dodgers. You know, the odds say that he might go back to his hometown in Texas. Um, I, I believe the Astros he's looking at, possibly the Rangers, and then maybe even New York as he tries to get a World Series. But you know, he has his chances in L.A. to win that World Series. He's just been. I mean, he continues to have struggles in the postseason as ERA, I think, is around four I mean, and a his half struggles now. in the postseason are put on blast a little too much. They aren't really that bad if you really dig into the numbers. Right. Um, especially because he's gone numerous times on short rest. For example, I believe in Game 7 in 2016, he was facing the Cubs. He was on, like, three, two days rest, and he allowed six runs. So that's just an outlier in the numbers. Um but we'll see with Clayton Kershaw also on the Dodgers. Manny Machado becomes now a free agent um, as he'll dig into the market trying to get as much money as possible, possibly a $300 million contract. Um, teams are looking at for him. Uh, but if it was me, if I was a GM, I really wouldn't be interested in Manny Machado if he's really demanding that mo- that type of money. Yeah, where, where do you think... Um... As of now, Machado will land. Uh, right now, I'm going to say New York, just because it's a big market team. They'll definitely be able to pay his salary. I don't. I, but the thing is, I don't know if New York needs him. No, because, I mean, if they got Glaber Torres as third. Michael and Duhar. And Duhar at third. Because Glaber will move over to second a little bit, too. And then you have Didi at short. I don't really know where he'd fit in at all. Because they're not going to move like one of those guys to the outfield because their outfield's already loaded up. I don't think they really need that extra weight of money and problems with Machado if he's not even going to be in the lineup every day. Um, other possible contenders to land Machado include he could definitely return to the Dodgers. Um, he might go back to the Orioles maybe. I'm not sure about that one. Um, nah, he wouldn't, I don't think he's going to go back to the Orioles or any of those bottom teams. He's going to look to look a, to win a World Series in the next couple of years, whoever he goes to. So what are you thinking? I'm going to say, I remember, ah, I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be a team in the NL perhaps. I think maybe the Phillies might try to land him. Phillies, maybe Nationals, I think. Nash, Nationals perhaps, depending their route. If they're just trying to, you know, replace Bryce Harper's bat and try to stay above water and try to get another World Series uh, championship. Or also, well, yeah, I think he's going to stay in the NL. Yeah, also he could go to, um, and then also another big free agent this offseason will be Bryce Harper, who's demanding even more money. Teams are even talking about the $400 million range, which is absolutely insane. And I don't think he's worth that amount at all. Near do I. But if it was up to me, I'd rather have Bryce Harper than Manny Machado, as it was evident in this postseason. Manny Machado is full of drama. As you know, he was quoted uh, in that interview with Ken Rosenthal. You know, I I'm not going to be that Johnny Hustle who's going to hustle down the line all the time. You know, I don't want to have that type of negative energy in my clubhouse. I don't have that attitude that I'm going to give it all out every day. Um, 
So I think Bryce Harper, my prediction for him, he's going to uh, team up with his buddy from um, Little League, Chris Bryant. They were on the same team in Las Vegas. I'm predicting he will go to the Cubs and make that team even stronger. I'm going to say, well, you said you'd rather have Bryce Harper. I would rather have Manny Machado because I think Bryce Harper is even more of a clown. And he has no <laughs> has no production over the last couple of years. His... His on base um, percentage is like over four hundred still though. But he's still not hitting the same. He's getting he's getting a good amount of home runs, but he doesn't seem to produce at a consistent rate. He's always injured. He's always doing shenanigans in the clubhouse. <laughs> I don't like that at all. But I, just, I, I do agree, Bryce Harper I think will go to the club the Cubs also. I would I would just want a guy that, you know, you know he's gonna come in the clubhouse every day and he's competitive, he's he's willing to work, he's gonna give it all out in the field. I don't want um, Manny Machado, who's you know preaching about not hustling all the time. Yeah, I see what you're saying. Okay, moving on to college football and uh, NFL predictions coming up this week. So this weekend is a huge weekend for college football. Many games that will impact um, playoff implications. Uh, UCF still undefeated, nineteen and zero in their. Um, Last two seasons, so they're unbeaten. They play Temple, so U U uh, US UCF, big favor big favorites in that one. Um, in addition, Georgia Kentucky Kentucky that super surprise story. Um, Bob Stoops' brother's done a great job at that program. Has a big matchup against Georgia, who had a good week against uh, Florida, winning thirty six to seventeen. So Kentucky, big matchup there with Georgia. We'll see if they're actually a legit team or you know if they're just a pretender. Um, in addition, we have West Virginia, Texas, Texas trying to bounce back from that tough loss against Oklahoma State last Saturday. Um, they're kind of reaffirming themselves as a big national team. Um, we also have Penn State, Michigan, big matchup for Michigan. Uh, you know, J- John Harbaugh's got a or Jim Harbaugh is it? Jim, Which one? Jim. Jim. Jim Harbaugh. The khaki man's got a lot of scrutiny from um, the national media and his job. Michigan, they're favored by 10. Who do you like there in that one? I'm going to go I'm gonna go Penn State in this one. Big upset on the road in um, Ann Arbor. I also go Penn State. I think 10 is a little too much for, for the Wolverines. And last but not least, we got the big banger of the week. Alabama versus LSU. Alabama going to Baton Rouge for... A matchup of the century, you know. Both teams are back in, um, and and both playoff contenders. As Alabama is ranked first right now, absolutely dominating their opponents. LSU's fourth in the rankings, but they've shown strong signs of promise. And uh, although it's a one versus four, Alabama is still um, their. They're, they're, favored they're favored by 14, by 14 points, which is And I would take LSU there because that is too much of a line at home for I'm, LSU. I'm taking, I'm taking Alabama. You know, Tua, uh, I think he's the front runner for the Heisman right now, possibly to the Clemson running back. But um, he has just been unbelievable in leading that team. Also in the NFL, a lot of big matchups coming up. Um, some include Rams-Saints. On Sunday, both teams have been really good at the first half of the season as the Rams are the only unbeaten team in the NFL. And the Saints are 6-1. and one. They've won their last six games. 
They even won Sunday night against the Vikings, 30-20, with uh, Drew Brees only throwing 120 yards. You know, if you were to tell me that Drew Brees were to throw 120 yards at a game, I would have said, no way the Saints are going to win that game. But um, their young stars, including Kamara and Ingram, both really good running backs, have uh, led the way for them. Yeah, Brees just keeps producing even though he's getting up there. In, right. In you know, he'll, he'll do whatever the team asks him to do. You know, the coach, he'll... he'll uh, be, either be a game manager or he can make a bunch of plays. Um, and then the Sunday night game, we got the Packers and the Patriots, both, you know, football heavyweights. Packers coming off that tough loss against the Rams where, uh, as most of you know, Ty Montgomery fumbled with two minutes remaining, and I got tons of problems with that play with Montgomery. Yeah, Stephen A. I saw us saying he wants to cut Ty Montgomery. I think that's a little too much. Yeah, Stephen front. A. is a pretty yes, radical man. Yes. But, um, and the, the Patriots... You, the, the New York Knickerbockers. <laughs> <laughs> but the Patriots also coming off um, a good win last night against the Bills, winning 25-6. to I mean, that's not that impressive. Bills are terrible, but yeah. um, just goes to say the continued excellence of the Patriots. All right, moving on to... We'll first do... We'll do both college basketball and college football playoff. Um, but first, we'll start with college football. Okay, so tonight will be the first unveiling of the college football rankings. Um, the committee will come out with their first top four. But as we're about two-thirds through the season, um, Jack and I are going to make our predictions for the final four. All right, so first off, it's a no-doubter. Alabama's going to be the one seed. They're probably going to go unbeaten into the playoff, uh, I don't even think that's a debate anymore. I think Clemson's going to get the two seed. They're looking really good. Trevor Lawrence has really cemented himself as a good national quarterback. He's that true freshman. Um, you know, it was really strange when Dabo Sweeney um, let Kelly Bryant go, and as he transferred out of Clemson, when he was the quarterback for last season's team that made it to the playoff, and then Trevor Lawrence is now the quarterback, true freshman. But he's done really well. My third seed is going to go to, um, I'm going to go with Oklahoma. Although they lost to Texas in a close battle, I think they're going to run the table for the rest of the season and uh, get that third seed. And then my last seed is going to go to Notre Dame. I think they're going to win out and... Um, you know, get themselves back into the national swing of things. Yes. Um, my one seed will be Alabama as well. Um, and then my second seed will be Notre Dame. My For my third pick, I'll go with Oklahoma. And then for my fourth, I'll go with UCF, trying to um, defeat the odds and having the weak conference and trying to sneak in there for a second year in a row, hopefully, to prove everybody wrong. Okay, moving on to now our college basketball Final Four predictions. As uh, college basketball starts, I believe, in a week, November 6th, I think. November 6th is um, some of the openers, and we'll hopefully have a more in-depth college basketball preview next week. um, With some of our uh, college basketball analysts from around the Bay. Um, For mine, I will have Duke and Michigan State, and I'll also have... um, Virginia bouncing back from losing to the losing to the 16 seed as they have some good players coming back. Also, I think they're due for a final four. Been losing a lot at Elite Eights before. I think Tony Bennett leads the way there. And as usual, I'm going to go with Kentucky to to slide in there with another great recruiting class. 
for my final four, I'm going to go with Duke as Zion Williamson. You know, that freshman phenom, freshman phenom, big man on campus. Um, he's going to have an incredible season. Uh, another team I'll select is going to be um, Michigan State. Big Tom Izzo fan. They've had a lot of, you know, drama with the uh, sexual assault case, but I think they're going to bounce back, have an unbelievable season. You know, Izzo is unbelievable in March. Thirdly, I'm going to go with a surprise pick, but I'm going to go with Auburn as they've just had an, um, an incredible tur- turnaround. I believe Bruce Pearl is their coach, former UWM coach, and uh, he's done an unbelievable job with that program, bringing them back. And then lastly, they've kind of, you know, peered around the corner as a pretty dominant team the- these last couple years, but I'm going to go with Nevada as they had a great March last season and you know, the final four is never the four best teams. I I think, you know, that's the beauty of March. It's it's one and done. It's whoever catches fire in uh in March. So those are my four teams for the final four. Alright, and also a um stat for NFL. The Browns have lost twenty two of the last twenty five and the Giants have lost twenty one of the last twenty five. That just shows the poorness and the the absolutely horrendous football play by those two teams. As yesterday, um, the Browns fire, I believe, both Hugh Jackson, their head coach, and um, Mark Haley, their offensive coordinator, um, as they really just butted heads, as many of you have seen in that HBO uh, documentary, um, Hard Knocks. They really just didn't mesh together, and um, they didn't. the front office didn't think that Hugh Jackson was the man to you know, develop Baker Mayfield as Baker Mayfield's going to be their quarterback for the future. He's their guy. And, and also, the only coach to have more losses than Hugh Jackson was also the coach and the owner for one team. So he even couldn't get fired. That's how bad Hugh Jackson has been. Wow. Um, in addition, another firing in Cleveland took place on Sunday as the Cavs fired Ty Lu as they started their um, season 0-6, and, and I believe this was just uh, a butting heads between uh, management in the front office and the head coach as Ty Lu, he's kind of built a strong bond with those veteran players as they've made uh, four, four consecutive finals appearances with J.R. Smith, um, Kyle Korver, Tristan Thompson. They've been playing more often than front office would like as the front office would like to play their young studs like... Um, Kyle Sexton, for example. So Ty Lue's fired. I really think this is a terrible decision by the front office. They're not going to find anyone better for the job than Ty Lue. They'll probably be terrible this season. I'm predicting they're not going to win more than 20 games. Um, but I just think it was an ignorant move as, you know, Ty Lue's brought them to the finals, I think, three consecutive years now. He's won them a, a Cleveland a championship. But I, th- I think there's, we all know it's just LeBron and they need an actual coach to try to coach them. Well, who's going to be an actual coach that, you know, that can? Well, I guess we kind of know that coaches in the NBA don't really do anything besides, like, a few coaches. But there have been rumors that Rick Pitino, you know, he's not going to be able to coach in college basketball again after that scandal. But he's trying to get an NBA job. So some jobs that he could get include, I think, the Knicks maybe, maybe up for one. Yep. Cleveland, Brooklyn Nets, um, some terrible franchises over the years. So look out for Rick Pitino to come and... Um, to the NBA. Um, for our next segment, segment, on this day 
in October 30th, 1974, Muhammad Ali beat the great George Foreman as he regained his heavyweight title um, crown as the greatest fighter of all time, um, you know, with another great That's fight. Right. It's, it's known as the fight of the century, possibly the greatest fight of all time. All right, for our stat of the day is that Bill Buckner had more hits than the hit king, Ted Williams, as Ted Williams is known as the greatest hitter of all time by some. That's pretty surprising. Bill Buckner, uh, pretty much the only thing I know him for is at least that ground ball he missed. Um, That just put him into infamy forever. Yes, he's unfortunately scarred by a great career by just the one play right there. All right, now moving into our awards for uh, Major League Baseball this year. We'll start with the... NL Rookie of the Year, and I'll start off, I'll go with the great Ronald Acuna, Acuna, I mean, sorry, and he came in later um, the season, but from the point he stepped on the baseball field at MLB, MLB, he took off, hitting home run after home run, and just an absolute stud. Um, I agree with Jack, I'm going to go Robert Acuna for this award, uh, although in a close second goes to Juan Soto, an unbelievable rookie who I think just turned 20. So um, it's pretty crazy what those young studs have done. Now moving into the NL Cy Young, which has been um, a crazy debate um, between Max Scherzer and Jacob deGrom. I don't even think it's an argument anymore. I definitely think it should be Jacob deGrom. I will totally agree with you on that one. With a 1-7 ERA, he's been the best in WPA. He's taken the league league by storm. And, And people will argue Max Scherzer because... They they think he has twice as many wins as he has 20 wins, I think, now. And he also got 300 strikeouts. But I don't understand that argument whatsoever. I think it's nonsense. Wins don't matter at all for a pitcher. Like, why does it matter how the rest of your team does if you put your team in position to win? You know, like Jacob deGrom has, who hasn't allowed more than three runs in, like, 30-plus starts or something. Yeah. Which is just unbelievable. Um, why does it matter with that? And in addition... Uh, writers look at how many strikeouts you have, but I don't think that matters at all because why does it matter how you get outs as long as you get outs? Strikeouts matter because it shows if you don't strike out guys over a long period of time, you will not last. Well, 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 they're not not looking at how long you're going to last for the Cy Young. They're looking at... But it matters (laughs) how dominant you are. If you're getting guys swing and miss, not just like getting hit hard and the ball's finding gloves. You gotta you gotta get guys who can strike guys out because they'll put away innings for you. If you have guys lingering on base, they'll find a way to score runs. Then, but if you got, if you have strikeout stuff, you'll get out of innings clean. But I'm talking about for Cy Young. It Why? still matters. Yeah. It shows the dominance of a pitcher. Agree to disagree on that one. Okay, now for um, the NL MVP. I think this is unanimous. Christian Yelich of our Milwaukee Brewers. With an incredible season, especially peaking in the second half with Barry Bonds-like numbers, um, and he wasn't even using steroids, so it's just been unbelievable what he done as he just carried the Brewers down the stretch to a division title. Now, um, I'm very much in the minority of this debate, going with Jacob deGrom as the NL MVP. Now, let me say what? myself here. I was, I was one of 45,000, game one of the NLDS, 
after Christian Yelich hit the home run, you know, MVP, MVP. I got my rally towel, but I'm thinking, Jacob DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom, Jacob DeGrom. But the reason I think this is, now everybody's thinking, like, he had this great September, and you're thinking, he was on a winning team, he was leading his team to the playoffs, but it's an individual award. You can't think of the other guys on his team and what they're doing. If the award is the most valuable player, you can't look, it's just about the playoffs. You have to look at every single isolated game. And in every isolated game that Jacob DeGrom had a chance to play in, he put his team in the best position to win. He had the greatest WPA and RE24 in the NL. And those are both win probability stats showing how much how much it takes and the clutchiness of your player. So for those who believe in clutchness, it's not even close that Jacob DeGrom was more clutch than Christian Yelich. Lighting up with the one seven ERI with a sub one whip, it was an unbelievable season for him. It was historic. He had a top twelve ERA in the in the uh, live ball era. That is just unbelievable to think about. He was one of twelve guys that the best ERA in over a span of ninety nine years. The names he's with in that category are unbelievable, and you cannot deny me on that. That's true, and I'm not saying that Jacob Degrom should have won MVP, but um, in 2014 when Clayton Kershaw one MVP of the NL. Um, Jacob DeGrom had even better numbers, as I think he had 0.4 better um, ERA. Was just some of the numbers um, that that he was better than Clayton Kershaw in his MVP season. And that just goes to show about how the team um, team success is mattering to these writers. Why would it matter by uh, the team and what they're doing when we're looking at an individual stat? Does not make sense to me. Fix yourself, Ken Rosenthal. Sorry, Jack. Cool down. But uh, now we move into the AL. And for the uh, AL Rookie of the Year, who do you think is going to I'm going to go with the third baseman for the New York Yankees, Miguel Andujar. I will also go with um, Miguel Andujar. Uh, he was kind of a surprise pick. Not, no one really knew about him too much, but uh, he kind of put himself on the national stage with a great season for the Knickerbockers, or for the Yankees, I'm sorry. <laughs> um, also, I think earlier in the year, most, most people thought Glaber Torres, but he slowed down a little bit, and Miguel Andujar just kept raking the whole year. Moving into the AL Cy Young, I'm going to go with Chris Sale, even though he had the injuries in the late part of the season. I think his strikeout numbers, his ERA, and his dominance just beat out Blake Snell by a little bit, who I think is the second-place vote getter, but... Yeah, it could be a coin toss. I'm going to go with Blake Snell on this one. Uh, I believe he had a sub-2 ERA. Yes, he did. Um, which is just another incredible number. Uh, great pitcher. Um, kind of an unknown guy before this year, but uh, really took off this year. And, you know, he was that one guy for the Rays that they didn't bullpen with. Um, he was that number one starter. He was going to put them in position to win every day, and that is why I, I believe he should be the AL Cy Young. AL MVP. This one is pretty self-explanatory, I think. A lot of people have talked about it. It's Mookie Betts, I think, and he's had a dominant year. He's had a 10-plus war. He's had, he had a great on base, hit over three, hit over 30 home runs, slugged over 500, and had a phenomenal year on the base pass, too, and defensively. I'm with Jack on this one. I'll go Mookie Betts. However, um, if it wasn't for Mike Trout getting hurt for a month or so, he he had just as good as numbers and, as Mookie Betts, and he continues to have that success in year year in, year out. 
Um, just an unbelievable player in Mike Trout. Yeah. I think if he doesn't get hurt, does a really good shot, he does win the MVP there. And now um, for our final four of the day. Uh, today, our final four is top uniforms in sports history. Yes, and we'll flip for the first pick here. Andrew can call it in the air. All right. As this is bad radio. Heads. And it is heads, and you'll the first pick of this. Uh, best uniforms of all time draft. Okay, with the first selection in best uniforms, I'm going to have to go with the New York Yankees. There's just a certain look to the pinstripe look. You know, it's a legacy you carry on when you put on the pinstripe uniform as you carry on the legacy of the greats. Joe DiMaggio, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Derek Jeter, Reggie Jackson... The list goes on and on with 27 world championships. Um, the uniform just carries a certain connotation with them as they're just an unbelievable team. I'm going to go with the Milwaukee Brewers 70s and uh, 80s uniforms. The light blues are amazing. Okay. Uh, my second selection, I'm going to go with the throwback Astros. Um, a bright neon orange, you know, a little yellow in there. Uh, just looks good, especially on Nolan Ryan. Unbelievable pitcher. Yes. Uh, with no Cy Youngs to go with him, actually. Really? Yes. Wow. I found that to be crazy also. Uh, for my second selection, I'll go with the Oakland A's. They've had the same one pretty much throughout their whole franchise. I love the green the green and yellow contrast. It's just classic. Okay. For my third selection, I'm going to go with um, the throwback Los Angeles Rams um, uniform. Uh it looked really good, especially on the you know the greatest show on turf in St. Louis with Kurt Warner, Marshall Falk. Um, just a solid uniform. Blue and gold really go well together. Uh, for my third pick, I'm going to go with the Marquette basketball in the 1970s with uh, Butch Lee designing them with the, the light blue, then the Marquette on the bottom, and the nice checkerboard down the side. Those were spectacular, I'd say. Very creative and very innovative at the time. Okay, and for my last selection, I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics as they just have a solid, you know, it, it's simple, but it's elegant as they have that little, you know, green. Sometimes they mix it with black, sometimes white. Um, I just think it's a really good, you know, combination. For my final one, I'm going to go with the Dodger home uniforms. I think the white stick out more than anything in all of you. All of uniforms and all of sports. It's so crystal in a in a, a noon game for the Dodgers with the blue peeking out with the little palm trees in the background. Yes, and and Vince Scully's voice in the background. There is nothing better than that, I'd say. <laughs> and now we're gonna move into uh, a month draft we have today. So our, our final segment of the day. Yes, a month draft. Um, who wants first? Look? I'll start off and I'll go with October. Um, oh, it's like mine. That was a tough one for me. I, I was debating to go back to something else, but I think with postseason baseball and all sports in action, I'm not a great fan of the uh, the weather, which is kind of unusual for some people to hear. But yeah, I, I think I, I love the weather. You know, there's a certain Christmas to fall. You got some great foliage around. You know, the streets are so beautiful with, you know, all the trees changing color. You got the reds, you got the yellows, you got the greens. It's just a beautiful sight. In addition... You know, it's the peak NFL, college football, really grinding into the season. NBA starts, uh, oh, hockey. Hockey, We're, yes. we're hoping Thank to get you. some hockey talk later. Yes. In, um, Go Flyers. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
October is just a great month, you know, apple picking, pumpkin picking. Okay, okay, okay. It's, it's, it's I, don't, sad. I don't know. I don't it's, know. It's, it's sad to see it end tomorrow. It's a travesty. Um, I, I think we should Maybe start we'll a prayer, for, prayer service for October. Maybe we, I think I should, I'm going to start a national petition. We need to extend October. It's, it's such a great month. Okay, so my second, I'm going to go, uh, I'm going to go with December. Um, you know, the hot stove is heating up in the MLB. Of course, the premier event of December includes Christmas, you know, celebrating the birth of Jesus and, uh, you know, December, beautiful. It's the white, the snow is still white. You know, everyone's not bored of the snow already. It's cold, but it's a crisp cold. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice outside. Um, and headed into then, um, college basketball conference play. It um, is a good time. You know, great football. So it's, it's great for my, um, for the next one, I'll take March being March Madness, the NCAA tournament. There's nothing better. I also think that confer- conference tournaments, conference tournaments within that too, and then at the end of March, MLB baseball starts again, and spring training. Spring training is going there on, and it's just a great month there. Month there. It's bad weather, but you know we can grind it out. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with for my next selection. I'll go with. September as um, it's just an overall good month. You know, foliage is starting to pick in with the leaves. Um, It's still relatively warm outside as, you know, get the mid-60s here in Wisconsin. Also, I mean, school starts, but, you know, you're still not bored of school. School's not too tough yet. Uh, Postseason races um, in September really heat up. Um, And football starts, you know, September, solid overall great month. Yes. I'm going to go with uh, July at the the height of the MLB season. You're out of school. You have your baseball season going on. You're playing catch on the front with pops. And, you know, great grilling in the backyard. Yes. The grills are out. The sun is shining. Nothing better. Okay. Um, my next one, I'm going to go with November as it's kind of the last month of fall. Fall is, I think, the best season. Um, fall or debate. autumn, whatever. Up for debate. Um, but you know, it's the end of fall. It's still getting a little chilly in the air. The foliage is starting to die down a little bit, but foliage is still. In the, it's it, almost gone. It, it's it's the pretty snow is good. pretty much on the ground. Um, snow starts to peak in a little bit. You know, it's always exciting with the first snow. Um, in November, you know, especially like in two thousand one, you know, Derek Jeter in the World Series was in uh, November. Mister November, so, yes. If uh, the World Series extends. Still got some World Series in. Um, NBA is in, in full throttle, and uh, NFL conti- NFL and college football continue to be um, weekend. Continue to be on the weekend. Yes. Okay, I'm going to go with August, and this is... August some, usually has the best weather of the year. It's usually July and August. No more no more uh, mosquitoes. Yeah, mosquitoes that's go very away. true. Except for this year, but, you know, that was because it rained a lot. Yeah, you know I'm saying... Okay. Uh, well, no, just not. I can explain myself. You know, this is a great time. Baseball's still going on. Um, usually for like my family, it's like vacation time. Even though schools for me about to start at the end of August, still a great time of the year. All right, for my last selection in the month draft. Oh, this is a tough one. All the months have been taken, but uh, I'll go with June. 
baseball is really starting to kick in, you know, get some trades in. Um, NBA finals happen, a lot of drama there. It's starting to be really good weather, you know, school gets out. Um, pretty good month overall, I would say. Um, I'm going to go with... No, that's your last... Your, your oh, yeah, yeah, I already took my last pick. Well, I guess I forgot about some of those college basketball months, but that's okay, you know. We, we, we fix it up. And as Halloween is tomorrow, to finish off the podcast today on Bay Brothers, we'll play for you a little Monster Mash. Um, ha- happy Halloween, happy spooky season. Everyone, have a great week. Oh, that was funny. Wait. Sorry for the uh, footloose monster mass montage. Just wanted to spook you guys out a little bit. <laughs>